had the awesome uh, privilege of being the youth pastor here at Harvest Time for 20 years uh, before moving into the, this position. And uh, we did a, a lot of crazy stuff. Um, some games that, that honestly, I, I did not want to repeat because uh, of the outcome. <laughs> uh, I could tell you story after story. But one of my favorite ones that we did often was uh, mud volleyball. Uh, how, how many of y'all have ever uh, played mud volleyball? How many of you ever played in a mud puddle? Come on, y'all. Only a few of you. Get out of here. Are you a kid? Were you a kid? Um, so think mud puddle, but on volleyball, volleyball scale with three feet deep of mud. Uh, and, and, man, it was so much fun. It was such a blast. We would get covered from head to toe and in our ears and in our nose and in our mouth and Every, it felt like everywhere there was mud, and uh, it was so much fun to be able to do that, and uh, just, no, this is okay. This is good. Um, maybe, maybe afterwards you need to, well, I don't know if you can find a mud puddle right now, but, but anyways, uh, go make one, I guess, um, and jump in it. Uh, feel like a kid again. I don't know, whatever, but, I, you know, after that was over, the amount of time and effort and energy spent Getting cleaned up from that was ridiculous. I mean, the amount of, amount, you know, the, the, everything was in my hair, in my ears, in my nose, and, and everywhere else to get clean. And then, and then I had to clean the clothes before they could go into the washing machine because if they went in the washing machine the way that they were, it was going to be disastrous for everything else. So I had to clean those before that, and, and my shoes were nasty, and every, I mean, it was just gross, and I had to do all that, and it was really important that I did all that, because think about if I didn't, if I had not cleaned myself up, and just decided, I'm going to just walk into the house, sit down in Daisha's favorite chair, rub around a little bit, and, whoa, did I just do that? Anyway, um, and... and <laughs> Just imagine that. Like, imagine her reaction, right? She would be like, what are you doing? What, what are you thinking? Oh, I'm just, I'm just relishing in what I've got here, and I don't feel like getting clean. Are you crazy? You smell awful. You look worse. So, so we, would, we would do that. We would, I would spend the time necessary to get to get what I needed to done. And then I think about our lives, and I think about all that we invest our time, effort, energy, money into. And think about that. We, we invest so much in our finances, our families, our jobs, our education, our bodies, our recreation, our vehicles, our lawns, our pets. I mean, I mean, we we get checkups. We we schedule maintenance. We plan fun. We some of us uh, like yesterday. I went to the barber. Because I just could not handle long hair anymore. Some of y'all go to and get your nails done. 
Which, by the way, I, I had a manicure once, and man, that was awesome. I'm just saying. I, I don't know. Maybe I'll ever do it again. I don't know, but whatever. We do that stuff. We, we watch sports. We watch movies. We'll sit and watch a three-hour movie. Love Lord of the Rings, by the way. Three hours, four hours even. We'll binge watch shows. We'll listen to music. We'll scroll social media. And we do so many things and all that stuff's not even all the church stuff. We, we invest so much into that. And listen, I'm not saying, please do not leave here and be like, man, PJ's down on that and down on that. And I shouldn't. That is not what I'm saying. All that stuff, important. Me coming home from mud volleyball and getting washed up, that was important. I needed to do that. You need to spend time with your family. You need to invest in these different things that I'm talking about. But, but what if I said to you, that stuff is not the most important part of you? What if I said, that stuff is not the most important part of you and that there is something that is vastly more important that is a part of you? It's so important that it actually can influence every area of your life. And, and if you grab hold of the, the severity and the, and the awesomeness of this one thing in your life, that it actually can dramatically change the perspective of your life. What if I, what if I told you there's something more important than all of that stuff that I mentioned, and that's just a drop in the bucket of everything that we do? Would you want to know what it is? Would you want to know what it is? I just want to give you a warning before we dive into it that it, this, this talk, this, this thing that we're going to talk about, it, it, it cannot happen as a sprint. It's a marathon. It's a journey. And so if, you're, you're, if you think... I'm going to be able to give you all the answers to what we're going to talk about as the most important thing about who you are. If you think I'm going to answer that just today, you're mistaken. You may leave here with more questions than answers today. I know that because in first service, there was several people that had more questions. And I'm like, yes! Because it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. It's a marathon, and it's a journey, and the thing I want to challenge you with is I know, I know the tendency is that we, we get busy, we get whatever, we, have, we, we get away from a, a Sunday or whatever. Can I tell you, this stuff is going to be on demand. Take the time to invest in listening back over it if you need to or back to a time that you missed. Ask somebody else about it, whatever. Spend it. It is not going to be, I, I believe, it is not going to be wasted investment on your time or your effort. So some of y'all are like, would you, would you get to what you're going to say? Like, what is this thing? What is it? 
Turn your Bible to Mark chapter 8. Or scroll there if you need to. Like, like Bill was saying last week. We've progressed so far, we've gone through all of history to back to using scrolling. It's amazing. Scroll or open your Bible to Mark chapter 8, starting in verse 34. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He's speaking to a crowd. He's talking to them about living for him. He's talking about making a choice. Because here's the deal. Even though Jesus chose the 12, even though Jesus set them apart as apostles, they still have to and had to choose to follow Jesus. Every day. Every moment of every day, they had to make a choice to keep following Jesus or go their own way. And sadly, one of them chose to go his own way. So you and I have a choice to make, and Jesus is, again, telling his disciples and sharing with the crowd there, and he says, and it says in verse 34, he called, actually just got done rebuking Peter because Peter didn't have in, in mind the things of God. He, had, he, he just, Peter had this open mouth, insert foot disease, and so he did that, and then Jesus rebukes him for it, and then in verse 34, he turns to the crowd, and he says to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Circle that word, soul. Or underline it, highlight it, whatever you got to do. Verse 37. What can a man give in return for his soul? What is this most important? What is this part of you that is the most important that can have significant and will have significant influence on every area of your life and can dramatically change the perspective on life? It is your soul. Your soul. Jesus says, what can a man profit? What does he profit to gain the whole world and yet forfeit, give up his soul? Not lose his soul, give it up. Trade it for something else. What, what can he profit from that? And what can he give in return for his soul? In trying to get his soul back, what can he give the most important thing in life, the most important thing in your life, the one thing that can influence every single area of your life is your soul. So I have a question for you. How's your soul? How's your soul? I'm not asking you how are you doing. I'm asking you how's your soul? Is your soul healthy or is your soul sick? Is your soul filled or is your soul empty? Where are you at in perspective to your soul? How's your soul? And here's the thing. Here's the thing. You may be here and you're going, you know what? I, I don't even know how to answer that. I don't even know how to answer that. Can, can I just say to you, that's okay. That's okay. Because I can tell you, in June of last year, I was asked that exact same question. 
And I had no idea how to answer it. No idea how to answer it. I didn't know what to say. I couldn't articulate what I needed to say. I couldn't articulate what I was feeling in my heart. I couldn't articulate what was on my mind. I, I was dumbfounded by the question. No one had ever in my life as a believer, I'll be 50 this year, no one in my life has ever asked that question, how's your soul? And I got to tell you, from that point on till today, that question rocks my world. How's your soul? Some of you are like, I don't even know what soul. Like, it was funny. Somebody was earlier saying you should have started singing something about soul. And I was like, man, that would hurt everybody's ears, so I won't do that. I'm not talking about that. What is the soul? What, what is the soul? Again, y'all, this is, a, this is not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's a marathon. So turn to, you can turn to or you can just see it up on the screen, but Genesis 2, verse 7. See, if we're, if we're going to talk about the soul, we ought to really go back to where the creator of the soul creates it. And in Genesis 2, verse 7, the Lord God formed the man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostril the breath of life, and the man became a living soul. Notice, it doesn't say he became a living body. He became a living soul. George, George McDonald says this, you don't have a soul, you are a soul, you have a body. Now that, that, that's going to blow some of y'all's mind. That's okay. It did mine too. Still does. But, but we, intrinsically, we get this. We get, the, we get the difference between body and soul. We may not understand it. We may not even recognize it. But how many of you here today have an acre of pain in your body? I just started lifting this week. I, right now, it hurts to lift my arm like this. So I'm going to put it down. Because I'm, I'm burning. No pain, no gain, right? I mean, you, you know when, okay, my stomach is upset. My head hurts. I got a, a, my ankle hurts. My knee is swollen. My, my, my lip is swollen. My tooth is loose. That we understand there's something going on in our body. All of those things are just indicators that it's, something is happening in me physically. But we get this with our soul too. We don't, we don't maybe recognize it as that. We maybe don't think of it as that. But we'll say things like, man, that person sucks the life out of me. Don't, don't be looking at the person. <laughs> Stop that. That person sucks the life out of me. That job sucks the life out of me. I need a vacation. I need a break. I am discouraged. I feel defeated. I feel like an absolute failure. I feel like I have no worth. 
I feel like I, I feel like I don't even know what I need to do. I feel excited. I feel joy. I feel I feel like life is being pumped into me. Every single one of those statements is soul language. It's soul language. You are talking about the soul. And 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 here's the thing that we need to understand is just as God breathed into Adam the breath of life and he became a living soul, what we need to understand is is when God formed Adam, when God conceived Adam, he was just a form. His body lay there with brain, heart, all the things in it that a body has in it, but it was not alive. It was just a body. God breathed his own life into him, and he became a living soul, a living being. Our outside form isn't what makes us alive. Our soul is what makes us alive. The moment God formed Adam, the moment God conceived Adam, he breathed into him life, and he became a human being, a living soul. That was how God created the first man. God uses a different process today. And I, I, earlier I completely forgot about Hope Life Center, and I meant to say something about this, but this is one of the reasons, I'm going to tell you in just a minute, one of the reasons why, why do we support Hope Life Center? Why do we get baby bottles and fill them up with change or $100 bills or checks or whatever it is that we're putting in there that is monetary and value and helping out this organization? Why, why are we coming alongside of them to help save babies and to help moms and dads that are in dire situations to find Jesus? Why are we doing that? Because guess what? The method that God uses now to conceive a human being the method that he uses in that method, the moment that that baby is conceived, God breathes into them the breath of life and they become a living soul. Can I get an amen up in here? That is, that is the moment that that baby is conceived, God breathes into them the breath of life because you are not alive because of your body. You are alive because of your soul. And the beauty of it is Psalm 139 tells us God knit us together. He formed us in our mother's womb. And, he, and, and the beauty of that is he says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Can I just say to you, maybe you need to hear this today. You are not a mistake to God. You are not a mistake to God. Everybody else around you may reject you, but you will never be rejected by God. He loves you so much, he was willing to die for you. You are not rejected by the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the creator of life. God loves you. And at that moment of conception, a baby becomes a living soul. Every human being is a soul. And so that's why not just caring about the life of a child before birth, but from Womb to tomb, we should be caring for life. Because every single one of us is a living soul, created 
by God. <laughs> you were created by God. You were created by God. For what purpose? What purpose does this soul play? Psalm 103, verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Your soul is the all that is within you. Your soul is not your eye color. Your soul is not your height. Thank God for this next one. Your soul is not your hairline. Your soul is not your waistline. Double amen for me on that. It's not your name. It's not your education. It's not your bank account. It's not your, your soul is the invisible but incredibly significant part of you that thinks, feels, desires, shows emotion. And it comes out on your face or in your life, through your body. It's the very center of who you are. It's the inner you, the real you, the part that is more important than the physical you. Why? Because it is eternal. It's eternal. When this body dies... They will lay my body in a grave, but I'm not there. Y'all hearing what I'm saying? I got one amen out of that. I'm not there. You're not there. Your soul is eternal. Who you really are is eternal. And my friend, if you know Christ, the beauty of knowing Christ is that we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt the moment I close my eyes in death, I open them in the very presence of the Lord God Almighty, my Savior, my King, my Deliverer, my, 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 my everything. This is not the end. Thank God, y'all, or some of y'all are like, you understand this more and more every day because you look in the mirror and you go, wow. That is getting old. It's not the end. It is just but the beginning. And you and I, whether you like it or not, are going to be together. If we know Christ, we're going to be together for eternity. And some of you are like, oh, gee whiz, with you? Yeah, for eternity. Get used to it now, man. We're here. Let's do it. Soul. It's, 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 it's in you. See, your soul doesn't have a shape, but if, but if I were to give it one, what I, what I think about is it's a hole. A hole that can only, listen to this, is a hole that can only be filled by God. It is a hole that can only be filled by God. It is the part of you that God has made to be his home. Your soul, God's home. So, so follow-up question in this is, is God at home in your soul? Is God at home in your soul? I can't answer that for you. You can't answer that for me. 
You and God know the truth, and God knows the reality of the condition of your soul, and his longing is to take up residence in your soul because he created it to be his home. His home. The question is, is is God at home in my soul? And here's the thing. Go back to Mark chapter 8. What can a man give in return for his soul? The answer, Jesus is not, he knows the answer, and the answer is obvious. The answer is nothing. There is nothing you can do to fill your soul. There is nothing that you can give in exchange for your soul because sin has creeped into this world and it has kept us from being able to be in relationship with God. It has kept us from being able to know that God is at home in my soul. And what ends up happening is, is that we do all of this stuff in order to try to fill up our soul, to try to put it into that God-shaped hole, and it does not fit. And it does not work. We try to take the triangle of our job, or the rectangle of relationships, or the whatever shape you can think of, and try to fit it into a God-shaped hole, and it never fills it. And we're wanting more, and we're seeking more, and we're feeling empty, and we're feeling tired, and we're feeling like we want to quit and give up and just be done. And yet God, God, in all of his wisdom and all of who he is, loves you so much that the beauty of this verse, for what can a man give in return for his soul? There is one man who could exchange his life for your life. He could exchange his life for your life so that you can have a soul filled up with God. And guess what his name is? It starts with J and ends with Jesus. Anyone? Jesus. Jesus is the only perfect human being ever to have been on this planet, to ever have walked this planet, and he gave his life in exchange for our soul so that you and I can have life and have it abundant and have God be at home in our soul so that God can fill that God-shaped hole. Is God at home in your soul? So here's the thing. Here's what we do with God in relationship to that, and here's part of the problem. Sin creeps into that and causes us to have friction, causes us to have a break between us and God. So what we end up doing is we sometimes treat God like that crazy neighbor. Does somebody in here not have a crazy neighbor? Everybody has a crazy neighbor. Or the religious nut who's going door to door, knocking on doors. Or like what last week where Bill was talking about pastors coming to your house. Oh, put the shades down, turn the lights off, everybody go hide in the back room and be really, really quiet, and maybe that crazy person will go by. And that's how we treat God. God, he's crazy. I don't want anything to do with God. Yeah, I heard about this and I heard about that, but no, I do not want anything to do with God. Shut the door, keep him out. Or we'll treat God like a cleaning service. Oh, yeah, come on in. You, you're going to clean me up? 
Come on in, clean up, do your thing. And then leave. Get out, please. Don't, don't come back anytime soon. Come back when you can't stay so long, right? And we treat God like a cleaning service. Like, oh, yeah, he's got something to offer, but eh, I really don't need him that much. And so just go on, leave again, please. Or we'll treat God like, like a kid. God, you can come in and you have a seat on the couch. You see that stuff over there? Don't touch that stuff. That stuff over there is breakable. You see that, that, that closet over there? No, no, no. You don't go in there because there's dangerous stuff in there. You see that, that sink? No, no, no. You don't go underneath that sink because there's bad stuff under there. You just sit there and you just mind your own business and, and don't mess with nothing. Or, or we'll treat him like a visitor. Oh, come on in. Let's have dinner. Let's, let's, let's exchange pleasantries. And then, bye. See ya. Or if you're like me, you treat him like that friend who keeps calling and saying, hey, can I help you? Hey, can I, can I, can I do your lawn? Can I, can I come over and help you do something? No, I'm, I'm good, God. I'm good. I can get this on my own. Your soul, God's home. Is God at home in your soul? See, see here's the thing. And what Jesus was even talking about, that, that whole thing in, in verse 34, if you come after me, you, you've got to deny yourself, take up the cross, and follow me. Whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So what God's desire is, is to knock on, and he does, he knocks on the door of our soul, and he, and he wants to come in. But, but with him is this amazing moving truck full of incredibly awesome stuff that he wants to bring in with him and take up residence in. And his desire is not to come in and sit on a couch and just sit there and mind his own business. His desire is to come in and rearrange the furniture, rearrange whatever is in that house that needs to be rearranged, paint whatever needs to be painted, clean whatever needs to be cleaned. He wants to have access to those, those closets. He wants to have access to those cupboards. He, he, wants to, he wants to take up residence in your life. And the beauty is, is that when he does, he downloads and he brings all that stuff in from his moving truck. And it's so much better than anything you've got in your house right now. And he brings it in and it's like, wow, that's the most amazing sofa I've ever seen. God, that, that's an incredible garbage disposal. I don't know where that came from, but whatever. It's, ah, it's so amazing. And he brings that stuff in, and he moves in, and he takes resonance in our heart, and it's far beyond what we can ever begin to think or even imagine. What do we have to do? Let him in. Knocking on the door of your heart. Knocking on the door of your soul. Saying, let me in. See, this is the thing. Some of y'all are so 
tired of trying to rearrange your own house. You're so tired of the maintenance of your own house. You're so tired of having room or closet or cupboard that's just stuff full of stuff. And you just need to say, God, come take up residence. Father, I don't know. I don't know the need. I know my own need. I know what's going on in my own life. God, thank you. Thank you for showing me that I needed to let you have full reign and access to every part of my life. You know and I know I'm, I'm still struggling with letting go of stuff. But thank you, God, that you, even, even if no matter what I choose, no matter what I don't choose, you still love me desperately. You still care for me completely. And you long to take up residence in my soul because you created my soul. You created everyone's soul here to be your home for eternity. God, I, I pray that there's someone here that doesn't know you. That as they hear this final song and they're confronted with the truth that the God who was in Genesis, the God who, who worked in Abraham and in all of the saints of old and in, in, in those around us is the same God who longs to take up residence in our heart and soul right here, right now. So God, you know the need. You know what's going on in each of our lives. Would you help us to be honest in thinking about that question? How's your soul? You are good. I give you praise. In Jesus' name.